But let's turn to Matthew 15. We're going we're gonna to talk about a passage that I like because it's hard. Um, and I don't like because it seems too, too hard, to be honest. And it's in verse 21. Um, just looking at the title, has anyone heard this story before? Faith of the Canaanite woman? All right, cool. Let's read it for the first time. That'll be fun. So it says this, and then Jesus went away from there. Where is there? Do you remember? Where was Jesus just? He's talking to Pharisees, and they were complaining because Jesus' disciples didn't wash their hands right before they ate. He was like, the ceremonial washing isn't being done correctly, Jesus. You're a bad teacher. It's kind of, it's, it's an indictment on Jesus' ability to lead and to teach. Um, anyway, but as Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon, and behold, a Canaanite woman from the region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she's crying out after us. She's wearing them out. Right? She keeps on and keeps on. It's a big scene. She's screaming. She's yelling. It's, it's, a, it's a thing, trying to get his attention. And then he answers, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, Oh, yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat from the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, Oh, woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed immediately. So we have a very friendly, seemingly incredibly respectful um, interaction here between Jesus and this woman, right? So let's look at the story a little and talk about a few options of interpretation here. So first of all, does anyone know anything about the history of a Canaanite person? Anyone from like um, Old Testament Canaanites? Anyone? I hope your answers sound right, I promise. No? Mm -hmm. They warred against each other, right? They would have raiding parties go murder each other's people. That was pretty often because they shared a similar like boundary and a land. Um, what else? They, they would worship other gods, but what was, does anyone know what one of the huge indictments on the Canaanites were in the Old Testament? Not just that they worshiped other gods, not just that they were warring against the people of Israel, but also that they were a part of Israel being deceived and influenced them to worship idols themselves. The Canaanites were a huge um, um, people group throughout the Old Testament that this is like this constant indictment from God to the Canaanites. Like, not only do you do this, but you take this, this life and you take what you worship and you, you go to my people and they rebel against me because they've fallen in love with your gods, right? They would, um, different kings would marry um, Canaanite queens and princesses and then they would bring their idols into the 
Israelite land. Then God would have them overthrown, and then the same thing, would, they would rise up and purify the land, and then it would happen over and over and over again. And so the Canaanite people here, think about again who Matthew is writing to. Matthew is writing to a Jewish audience with this story. So writing to a Jewish audience, Matthew is intent to say a Canaanite person. And where they were was where the Canaanites had always been. In Tyre and Sidon was a place where Canaanites would normally live. So the history of that, we don't understand, mainly because we're not Jewish, but also, too, because we, the Old Testament seems so old to us. But to them, it's very much alive, right? That, that understanding, those people, especially when Matthew identifies her, is a big deal, right? Do, do we know two other Canaanite women in Scripture that are important? If we don't, it's okay. I can tell us who they are. They're in the lineage of Jesus, by the way, which is crazy. But the Israelites are going to the promised land, and there was a prostitute in one of the cities, right? And she hides the two spies. She's in the lineage of Jesus, this woman is. And then we have another one, a big deal one, that we should know, book of the Bible, Ruth. Ruth. Oh, good. No, that's a great guess, though. No, that's perfect. That one Yes, so close. <laughs> but yes, Ruth is another Canaanite woman that is in the, the lineage of Jesus, not just a part of the people group, but no, no, in Jesus' lineage, um, uh, lineage, which also is important, also why she would be named here, okay? It's not just a woman from another country. It's not just a foreigner. It's not just a centurion. We have Jesus healing a centurion's son in another part, right? Or a servant, but here we have this woman, okay? So again, super important that Matthew is calling her out by name. And she's screaming, and, or not screaming and screaming, she's yelling and trying to get Jesus' attention, right? Her daughter is ill. Her daughter is possessed by a demon and is making her be not herself or whatever, whatever's happening here, okay? What is Jesus' first response to her? Nothing. Just to me, worse than an answer, right? That in, in our house, our sons know there is nothing that will make me crazier than just ignoring me. I hate that. I would rather have disrespect spoken back or I would rather no be the answer or whatever. The ignoring makes me crazy. And so in this story, it makes me laugh because I'm thinking about like, that would, it, it would, oh, it's just, it boggles my mind that Jesus ignores her, right? Why, why would Jesus possibly ignore her? Why would that be the response? This is just opinion time. I, I don't know the exact answer on this one. I'm just wondering. Different, go ahead. Okay. What else? Anyone else? Educated guess? Thoughts? Not to what? Right? Not to acknowledge her, especially she's a, a Gentile and impure woman, right? What else? Okay, here's, here's another thought. 
Do any of those thoughts make Jesus sound better in this story? No. She's either an object lesson in your story, she's of a lower class in yours, and he's, she's not important enough for him to deal with directly but his disciples. Or he just ignores her, right? The reason could be because I'm ignoring her. Or it could be to draw her in. Whatever else doesn't make him sound good in this story. It's not like what we would see now is like wonderful treatment of this woman, right? And, and I want us to think about too, as Matthew is writing this story down, and he knows he's writing it specifically for Jews, don't you think the Jewish people, in hearing this first part of the story, might actually be like, finally, Jesus is following the rules for once. Good job, man. Do not waste your time on her. Don't you remember what they've done to us for years? Don't, don't you know, Jesus, that her people, her lineage, are the reason we're in the bind we're in in the first place as they kept tempting us with their foreign gods and doing these things? Like, I imagine the people reading this would be like, yeah, don't give her your time at all. That is exactly what she deserves. Thank you. Finally, right? Finally, we have a story we can all rally behind. And then it just gets worse. We'll read further. His disciples came begging him, saying, can we send her away? For she's crying out after us. She makes them sound great. They just sound so full of love and encouragement and, and empathy. And he answers, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Is that true? Even? No. You could say that Jesus was first sent to the house of Israel, but does, is that consistent with the way Jesus has acted in the rest of Matthew? No. No, it's not. So again, why? Why say this? And again, the Jewish audience of that day rejoices. Yes, you were sent just to the house of Israel. Thank you for saying it like that. That is correct. We are God's chosen. We are the ones that deserve this. We are the ones receiving of your blessing and the true Messiah, right? That, that's, that is, again, the picture that's being painted by Matthew here. And the readers that would be reading this verse would be like, that sounds great. I like this story. This is my favorite story to date, right? And then it just seems to get harsher, right? Then she comes to him and says, please, please heal my daughter, right? And what does he say? She kneels before him, saying, Lord, help me. And then he answers her, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. I read a lot of commentaries in this last week, and I've read about this story in the past. Every commentator wants to make this sound good for Jesus. They want to make it sound all right. There's an argument about the type of word used for dog here. It's not street mongol, like usually the Canaanites were called or Gentiles were called. It was a different word. I don't remember it. This one's like pet dog. So it lives in the same house as the kids do. And I'm like, oh, that's not that much better. Like, yeah, you didn't call her a mongrel, but you called her a, a golden retriever. Like, that's not nice. You know, that doesn't sound good to me, Right? Other commentators will say, no, 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 it was, it was meant in a, a witty gesture, right? 
as if to draw out something in response to her, which is fine, but she still called her a dog in the story. Like, that's what it is. And then some commentators would say, no, 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 it's, it's the same idea of giving pearls to swine. It's not the swine's fault that they don't know what to do with pearls. It's like, yeah, but you, you, you called it. You, you said it when she's kneeling in front of everybody. It just doesn't sound good. Do you know who it would sound good to? It's the Jewish audience. It sounds really good to all the leaders who are present. The scribes and the Pharisees would love him. Matthew's writing this to a group of people that would say, yeah, that's what I've always wanted to say. Good call. Don't give her the bread that belongs to us. You only have so much power to give. Like, there's so many conclusions we can draw from this that are crazy, right? That, are, that make this story so hard and make it seem so counter to the rest of Jesus' actions, the rest of his teachings, the rest of how he treats women and children and people just in general, right? And then it goes on, and then we, we get a glimpse as to what the story could be. And she answers, yes, Lord, not saying, how dare you call me that? Not saying, that is not true. I'm no dog. How dare you? Not even deterred. Seemingly not ashamed or embarrassed, probably because of what she wants for her daughter. But she says, oh, yes, Lord. But even the dog's eat the crumbs that fall from the table. Now, what is she saying in that statement? There's, there's lots of things, but what, when you hear that, what is she telling Jesus? All right, I'll go. Not in a rude way. I didn't mean that sarcastic. I, I didn't mean it like that. Something. So there's a couple of parts of that. First of all, yes, it's that. Fine. <laughs> Maybe I don't deserve it, Right? Maybe you're right. Maybe I'm the dog that wandered in the house. Fine by me. I just am in need. The other part is when you say that, you're acknowledging that a crumb will do. That, to me, is the most beautiful part of this, is that this lady acknowledges in front of everyone, you know what, fine. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm that. Maybe I don't deserve the bread. Maybe there's not enough to go around, even though we're about to see again. It's, it's so funny. It's sandwiched in between two bread and fish stories. There's another one coming right after this that we're not going to go through. But we have these two feedings of a bunch of people, and then Matthew sandwiches right in this lady talking about bread and dogs. It's really cool. Um, but she says, you know what? A crumb will do. It's all I need. That's it. And I think about us sometimes, and times in my own life, and where you may be or where you've been or people around you, maybe we don't at all times feel like we can ask for the blessing. Maybe we don't feel like we can, we're going to get the answer we want. Maybe we feel like the dog at the, under the table. 
Maybe we feel like these other people deserve this. These other people need it. I am undeserving. And you know what, though? Just a crumb will do. That's all I need. That will get me through. That'll take me till tomorrow, and then I'll get another one. That'll take me through tomorrow, and then I'll ask for another one. And this lady, this Canaanite woman, is fine with that. And then Jesus responds to her. And what does he respond? Jesus answers her, Oh woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed immediately. Do you know the only person in Matthew's telling of the gospel that gets to hear great is your faith is this lady. That's it. The one that right before he says, I'll ignore you. Then he says, nope, just here for my people. Then just says, I can't give scraps to dogs. I don't give bread to dogs. Says, oh, how great is your faith that you know all you need is a crumb. You know we're all undeserving. So are every one of these people. (laughs) But there's plenty of crumbs to go around. And Jesus says, great is your faith in front of everyone. If she can yell and be brought up there, he doesn't mind saying it in front of everyone too. And her daughter's healed right then and the lady goes back home to a changed life. Everything different. And there's, you know, there's so much to the story. I mean, first that would confuse our we don't understand the cultural difference between the Canaanites and the Jews, for one. We also don't understand that no one in the crowd would be bothered by the way Jesus talked to her, either. That's a sad reality, too. No one would care. In fact, again, the Matthew story, Matthew's writing it to people, they'd celebrate. Finally. You could say it worse. Why'd you use that word? Call her the Mongol. You know, whatever it is, right? But then, the story gets flipped on its head. And, and those people that are celebrating her being left out of the blessing have to hear her called great of great faith. Not little faiths, like the disciples, but one of great faith. And so in the story, it's again one of those times when the gospel changes everything for the hearer, for the reader, for the people, and, and they, they get to like it for a little bit. They get to say, yes, this is what I wanted to hear. I like this gospel. This is good news. And then Jesus flips it on its head and says, no, the good news isn't at all what you think. Sometimes the good news is just being willing to ask for a crumb and then it definitely being given to us. Maybe the gospel goes to who we all celebrated it absolutely not going to. (laughs) And it changes them. And they're the ones that are of great faith. And so as we think about that, It's okay for it to bother us, number one. I think that's fine. I think it's good for it to confuse us a bit, make us look harder at it, look at other ideas about that story. Um, It's interesting in another gospel, Jesus compliments her wit, which I think is funny. He's like, look at you with the wordplay. I like it, you know? That's one of the reasons he heals. It's it's interesting. It's it's a weird story. But I do want us to ask, if we're willing to ask Jesus for a crumb? Are we willing to ask that? Are we in need of that? Are we in a place where we're like, look, I didn't ask for a loaf of bread. I couldn't handle it anyway. Just a little is all I need. Um, 
And I want us to think about that as we have communion and we take a small bit of bread and we dip it in the cup and we enjoy it, okay? So let's pray together and then we're going to have a time of communion.